it's been um, enough time for me to be able to look at our stats, our download stats. This is my new thing. Chris is being incredibly obsessed with our stats, um, being a real growth mindset uh, productivity boy. Um, and yeah, we uh, it was gratifying to see that we had um, a few, like a bit of a bump uh, for that 100th episode, which suggests that we either picked up some new listeners or there's just an entire cohort of um, uh, the podcast listening audience who only listen to um, extremely round, like big round number episodes of podcasts, which I kind of like as an idea that there's someone who has just listened to only the 100th um, episode of Rank Ideas, only the 100th episode of The Braddon Boys, only the 100th episode of, um, you know, uh, uh, Wendy's True Crime Roundup. Um, and, um, yeah, it's got me thinking about, uh, yeah, just the idea of, um, like, maybe from now on I'm only going to uh, dip into pop culture, like, in a similar way. Like, I've, I don't know if you've ever done the thing of, like, it's – it's maybe more an artifact from the era of uh, like free to air TV, but where I've like turned on the TV and randomly seen like the last ever episode of a show that I've never seen. Um, and there's, there's, there's like a specific uh, charge to it. The idea of just like suddenly getting to be swept up in the extreme, like emotional um, nostalgia payoff of something without having to invest any of the, um, the earlier hours into it. Um yeah, it's kind of it's it's just like meeting a really interesting person in the street who's uh, and then and then you know like and then they they drop dead two minutes later. Um, if you've never done that, I yeah, I, it's that's also an interesting thing to happen. Hi, Chris. Yeah, hi Nick. Nice to be here. Yeah, I I think that it would ultimately be a hollow thing to do because you don't get to enjoy um, the journey of getting to know you know, the real us, which is what, of course, everyone who's listened to all the hundred episodes so far, um, hundred and whatever that are out now, um, in order, um, have, like they have, um, kind of an up-to-date and real-time complete knowledge of who we are as people. And, um, you know, there, there's a, there's, there are costs to that, but, but the, the dividends, I guess, are also costs. It's exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I've, if there's one thing that our listeners are doing a lot, it's holding us in space around, um, our various difficult character traits. I'm interested, yeah. It's, I'm interested in getting um a, a quick list, a quick bit of round of listener feedback. Uh, actually, it'd be great. We, you know, if we get a round from our long term listeners about what they think our um the the most challenging parts of our uh, personalities are to deal with, and then the people who've only been listening since episode 100, uh, what they think <laughs> uh, the most challenging parts, the the most irritating parts of our personalities are, and just see how those two things compare. Um, and then, yeah, as, as always, um, our intimate partners, um, will, uh, not have any such, uh, public recourse or feedback mechanic, um, allowed for. Um, although I am as, as in a couple of months, Chris, um, for when I turn 40, I am planning to have another Nick Delatovic roast party, which, um, should be a, um, valuable release valve, um, for a lot of, for a lot of people. So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll work out some mechanic for the listenership to get involved in that, um, uh, some kind of shared Google Doc uh, where people can dump their um their can can pitch their roast jokes at my disposal. I just like I'm in love with the idea that some listeners will have never seen us and then have no idea that we're like despite every everything pointing to the fact that we're fifth grade weenies. You know we're two stone cold mm-hmm. hunks. No one ever talks about that. Yeah, I feel like and particularly I mean you know podcasts, Brad and Boys aside, I think you know it's a fairly I'm not going to say it's thin gruel out there in terms of the ways that <laughs> the, the average pod- podcaster looks. If anything, that you would wouldn't be a, say that would be it's definitely thin gruel out there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm not here standing on the top of a mountain and bellowing that podcasters are a bunch of uh, like, f- you know, like fifth grade ago Morlock trolls. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, if. If that was the case, it would make it even more um, alarmingly shocking to our listenership that we are um, so as as conventionally babing. I think it has to, has to be said as we are. You know, I hate all of this like pre-chat to ever coherently uh, move into the next bit. But um, is there something around the realm of aesthetics or beauty that we could hit up as a ranking topic today? Have we done anything like that yet? Oh yeah, I forget that we're here to rank something. Yeah, I mean, you know, have we done aesthetics? Because uh, that's something that. Uh... You and I will have many thoughts on. I feel it is, and we haven't. So yeah, I mean, we can have a we can have a discussion about if there's a if that's the exact word we want to hit. But you know, 
what a good part of the podcast is for that discussion, it's on the other side of the theme song. Pinging through the ether like a giant emotion, this lotion, this lotion, sometimes commotion, sometimes no commotion, rank ideas, take them to the bank ideas. Thank you, everybody, and I do mean everybody, and I do mean thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rank Ideas podcast. It's the podcast where Nick Deladovic and myself, Chris Andrew, go through and rank every human idea in an order from best to worst on an ever-expanding list. And uh, today, we're going to uh, we're considering ranking something to do with aesthetics, beauty. Yeah, um, we could. E- I reckon we either do beauty or aesthetics. And here's the um, here's the two. Like without hyperdefining and before we pick, I reckon we either rank um, beauty and the idea of it, which I think is like pretty clear handles, or we, uh, you know, the idea of some, the idea of things having beauty or what that is, and then we pick that apart, or we rank the idea of aesthetics as like an ideas framework for judging things uh, as, yeah, so like judging things on an aesthetic basis. Um, so we're either doing yeah the idea of the thing or the idea of how you judge the thing. Which one's more appeal? We'll have we'll have to do both eventually. But um, which one's more vibing for you, vibe lord? Beauty. Great done. Ranking beauty. Talking softball. Podcasts never meant to be. We so would you like to have a go at defining beauty, Chris? No. Um, or would you like me to do it? You please. Great. So the idea of beauty is uh, can be defined. Uh, Nixter's dictionary defines beauty as a state of so it's another transcendence idea so it's a it's a state of something being as uh, extremely um, or specially or magically um, appealing, compelling, um, having uh, you know have like having a suite of positive traits or associations of having positive traits, but um, yeah, basically being. Um, uh, I'm trying to avoid synonyms, but yeah, uh, basically having an aesthetic quality that is in the positive, um, that is in the valued, that is in the um, enviable, um, and uh, you know, like that can that can express in terms of like really basic things, like something looking beautiful, as in looking extremely good in a in a rapturously appealing way, um, or uh, you know, it it cross cuts with ideas like um, often cross cuts with ideas like purity. Um, or, uh, um, even, even sacredness, you know, like a bunch of things like that. These, none of these are essential, essential to the idea, but that, um, these are the sort of valences and, um, uh, associations that are key to it. Um, what am I missing? Has, has that rambling definition gotten you closer to a quicker definition, Chris, or is there anything I'm hugely missing from that you think? Oh, I like it. It's it's. I mean, it's a, it's a covered off enough and contained enough that I just am immediately thinking about uh, the idea itself. So obviously, I feel like tick done um, and beauty. I didn't realize, like with all the topics that we rank, because we don't um, preconsider it, because that's the commitment that we make to making sure we have a purity of process and and transparent, uh, you know, operation here at, at Rank Ideas. I Indeed. love it, and I didn't realize that I loved it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought that it would be something that would be appealing to me, but I think that um, I, I, oh, I increasingly realised that I'm so sorry. There's a dog barking. <laughs> One second, I'm just going to go like, um, not murder a dog. Certainly not murder. Everyone, if you're sitting here wondering about whether Chris is going to murder a dog in the most literal sense, you'd, you'd be nuts to think that. Uh, uh, on that basis, I'm going to also yes, and what Chris is just saying about the idea of um, beauty being an idea. Like as I described it, I was like, oh, what a what a nice what a nice uh, suite of things that I'm uh, personally invested in that mm. I love. So I guess where we will go from here is the idea of like, well, if we, we if we love it, that's all well and good. But um, separate to that, how good is it? Because we there have been other things. That we have been extremely implicated and invested in in the in the list where once we've talked about them we've had to adjust the ranking down based on their their costs that may not necessarily be cost to us but others but we often go to the negative quick here uh, Chris do a bit more stringing out on what you what you personally love about beauty that you're coming to in this live moment maybe not as strongly as the dog did once they heard once they heard my brilliant definition of beauty clearly moved them to barks but, yeah yeah. Um, 
yeah, if if but if you had to compete, uh, what what else would you say? Well, look, I mean, obviously, there's a subjectivity to it. Inevitably, for example, I currently find the image of a of a unconscious dog on my floor, <laughs> um, a, a beautiful. <laughs> uh, that's, I should I should have a disclaimer that um that's true, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which you know, which I guess is where you get into the territory of you know contested ideas, and you know uh, you need to make sure that um, th- that there is a good mapping of the different um, perceptual experience that we all have of the world, and that beauty will be um, metered differently and um, and uh, valued differently, uh, unevenly in different spheres by everybody, and then in aggregate as well. So you don't want to be building rigorous um, systems around one dominant form or something like that um because it doesn't exist as as a good in that sense but um if i think like like i often l- lament if i picture you know the new suburbs of you know um our home city of canberra um i it's 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 staggering to me to be there and to and to realize that wow this is one of the richest societies in the world and the and the new places that we build are to me disgusting <laughs> like uh, uh, like they they they're, they're barely fun they're barely meeting their baseline intended projected function um as a place to live like in terms of the things that i value which is you know like um community connection exchange like things uh you know uh nature things that look nice etc like um not look nice to me um and like you know that there are efforts to do that but they're they're such distant considerations i would be and, and then i go to you know back to um you know, places that were built in, you know, maybe the 19th century when the, the, the society was, uh, you know, poorer by exponents, but, um, the things that people chose to put their, in their physical surroundings are so much more, um, pleasant to be around and make life, uh, so much more pleasant as a result. And it's, it's quite staggering to me how there's not a higher value on, um, you know, what, at least what I consider to be a beauty in, um, our built environment. And, and it's not, it's not to say that that, that doesn't exist or that it's not, a consideration. I just can't believe that, um, you know, if, because if as an individual, I had, you know, infinite resources, I wouldn't put myself in surrounds that I found to be like just passable in terms of their, um, amenity and appearance and joy that they bring me. And, and that's, that there's that sort of transcendent joy that you get to experience when you have like a next level, you know, be- like even just the, the sensory beauty of, um, you know, having a, a, a rich meal that um that full of nutrients that you needed but also presented with care by someone you love like that's that's just something that you can't um compare to say to to sorry to say thin gruel so many times within the one hour but um it's not the same experience <laughs> and and i think it's it's uh you know if, if i could somehow structure my life to have a lot more of the beautiful meals and a lot less of the thin gruel across all sensory experiences i would absolutely appreciate and benefit from that and um there there is the problem when you do get in obviously because it's total everyone's perception is different and everybody's experience is different so um you know they're, they're not going to be so so much overlap necessarily on what um the, on what people consider to be beautiful moment to moment but um certainly having the capacity to value that and appreciate it i think is really is really really important and um and a critical part to that sort of good good life that um the good living that has that sort of transcendently rewarding quality that um, so many of our best ideas uh, allude to. Luckily, um, when we rank gruel finally, it's probably going to go fine. So that'll make up for all the pejorative ways we're using it today. Um, it's a you know it's a useful staple food um, under the right circumstances. But yeah, I gruel is the most important idea in our society. <laughs> Particularly its thinness. So I was I was on the internet the other day, the information superhighway, and um, there was uh, someone was on there talking about the idea of um, the. I don't think the, they weren't necessarily talking about um, like a blanket idea of there being like bad or non beautiful architecture. They were talking more specific. They were critiquing minimalism in architecture specifically, which you know, like that's was very, more more of a subjective vibe, but. They put out an interesting idea because they were talking similarly about 19th century architecture and like architecture of the past, like having more and and the and the subjective idea that there was, you know, more instances of beauty, more instances of like at, at the very least, like bold dramatic choices. And um the thesis they put out there was is that the the 
the phenomena that leads to not that happening in the modern era is the um yeah is the attempt to meet a, a middle distance of human taste so that what they were talking about is the 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 problem with extremely beautiful things is that um they are completely at the mercy of subjectivity like the um you know to to make something to make a to make a bold aesthetic choice is to make something that some people will love and some people will hate uh, guaranteed and so um what they were positing is that within things within arenas like modern architecture or modern design there is a drive towards um wanting things to be rather than have things be beautiful have things be um blanket like reliably non-offensive for most um which obviously like I do there's I I don't know how much I ascribe to that interpretation of the reasons why things have happened but it was interesting it, that idea like I don't I don't know how much I believe that that is why you know architectural trends are what they are at different points I think there's every bit as it's every bit as much the case that that like that architecture just has its own aesthetic schools that are huge reactions against each other you know I think it's probably just like uh the the uh culture counterculture point countercult pipeline that just means things become extremely dominant. And then there's probably other concerns, like literally just, you know, it's probably like there's probably a whole b- bunches that is similar to what happened to cars. Like at one point cars, cars got to be more wild and crazy and uh, exciting, excitingly pluralistic in design. And then at one point people wanted them to be much safer. And that led to a, <laughs> to a shrinking of the possibilities of what a car could look like because there was a possibility of what the cars could be made of and made up of. Yeah, I think that's too broad brush uh, explanation. And if even if I were to pick one broad brush, like I would think that, you know, it's much more like um, akin to, you know, what like it's not like Subway sandwiches are trying to cater just to the middle of what everybody likes. It's much more that um, this is the cheapest way to get this food at a profitable rate to people that they will pass or fail by if presented with the op- opportunity. Like, I, I think that um, it's non-competitive. It's so. about operation at scale. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and, and yeah. once things are at that scale, yeah. you know, there's inevitably less personal engagement with things. You know, it's not one craftsperson, you know, doing a freeze of an awning and then valuing yes. that as their thing. It's just, oh, I've got to do 250 range hoods of people's kitchens this month. Let's send the team yeah. out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so to me, the more interesting half of the posit that that person was putting out there was the first bit, the idea that um, the more you push into chasing, like, a transcendent level of beauty, the more you are doing it, the more you are embracing subjectivity, as in beauty is subjective and individual, um, which, like, uh, is an interesting posit. And again, I'm not saying that that's blanketly true either because, you know, there are such a thing as conventional beauty standards, but... Yeah, even what even unpacking what's going on there with the fact that there are conventional beauty standards, but what that actually means, like what the what the functional thing that is occurring there is, which is like, is it that a bunch of people are thinking, is it that a huge global majority are thinking the same about uh, how aesthetically appealing something is, or is it this other thing where you know there is just where there is a there is just a dominant discourse being created and a demand for buy-in to that discourse. So like, so people are generally supporting and standing up for the idea of things being conventionally beautiful, regardless of what their own subjective taste might be. Obviously my, my judgment is that there's no answer to that question. It's like a weird mix of both and a constant chicken and egg loop. But I think about that in terms of things like say physical attraction, where like I know factually just from my own anecdotal experience that the range of things that, all humans at any given time are physically attracted to in terms of um, romantic or sexual partners or just, you know, just people that they aesthetically appreciate in life is buck wild and all over the place Mm. and delightfully bizarre and pluralistic. Meanwhile, there is still an an aesthetic beauty standard. There is a conventional beauty standard narrative that is like just has absolutely totalitarian power over the discourse globally Mm. and has huge controlling effects on people's lives um, that are extremely cost-laden and punishing. And those two things being, it's just, yeah, it's constantly kind of hitting me. The truth of both those things is is hitting me a lot, a lot of the time. And I think about it even just in terms of my own personal experience. I don't, And I don't know how this feeds into the idea of ranking the idea of beauty, but yeah, I think a lot about how it's like a mild project of my life across my life that has been easier for me than a lot of other people because of the advantages, this, my starting side advantages is that, yeah, like, of me 
decoupling my sense of how I should be engaging with the idea of of beauty and beautifulness and attraction in life from conventional from the from the what is judged as conventional and really just leaning further and further into my own taste like as in I think about things like I think about the term guilty pleasure you know the idea that yeah. which uh is an idea which is an idea that I decoupled from well over a decade ago the idea of um people being like oh yeah like look i just i hate to say it, but i love this i you know i'm really into this thing and i know it's i know it's bad and i know it's terrible but um but i love it and yeah to me that idea of um it was a really nice and um luxurious point for me to get to in life to just be like to, to be like that that concept has no relevance to me like if i enjoy mm. something and think it's good then i like i don't think things are good except that they're bad i just think things if i i just have things that i think are good and I'm lucky to be in a zone where I don't have to fear social approbation or um, sh- or feel any shame. Like, yeah, if I think a song or a movie is good, I don't care how quote unquote cheesy it's defined to be by the by the rest of the world or lame or problematic. Like, I I like it, and um, dem- uh, pretending that I don't like something that I like, even though you know everything I like, I still enjoy critiquing and analyzing critically. But pretending that I don't like things that I like think things are beautiful that I think are beautiful. I'm attracted to things and people that I'm attracted to. Yeah. There was just, that's, that's just such a cost laden process that all the idea of having to navigate pointless waste, pointless waste. Yeah. It's like, you know, having to be somewhere between like full blown repression or kind of irony layering about stuff where you, you just, it's just a thing that you happen to like. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, again, it's tough in terms of coming up with a metric for judging the costs and benefits of beauty because as you say, like if you, it, and it, this feels like one where it's like, okay, how much of a optimal situation do we imagine can be created through this list and this specific ranking on the list? Because the idea of a version of beauty that was just breezily pluralistic where everyone just got to subjectively um, find all the things beautiful that they found beautiful and where there was just um, a constant like calibrated sense of negotiation where everyone could just be leaning into their own versions of beauty and res- and respect the huge differences person to person around that um, seems pretty high ranking, but then yeah, obviously in the world at the moment, like, yeah, the idea, just that, just the idea of like conventional narratives of beauty are doing really doing a number on people nonstop. And so I guess the question is how intrinsic do we think that idea is how, how intrinsic those, those, and spontaneous, like, do we think it's like fashion when we fashion, we had to rank relatively low. Cause we felt that as soon as you, as soon as you have it up and operating, even with the things that are fun and exciting and transcendently beautiful about it, there's still, you know, we, we felt that the, the narratives of status and in group, out group, and, um, uh, even just like, um, resource suck that we, we felt that those things were too inherent to that idea um, in any, any sensible expression of it for it to, for, for it to like reach an escape velocity behind it. I think we're in different territory here. Yeah. Talk to me, talk it out for me. Because when we ranked fashion, we were looking at the cultural form. So we weren't just looking at, um, Mm. the idea of, uh, you know, the joy that one could get from, um, styling themselves in a particular way. We were looking at the, um, I, I, I can't remember the, the exact details, but um, we looked at the, yeah, what it is as a cultural form as how it sits in society rather than, as a value rather than um, the practicing of it. And I think in the same way, like, I think beauty instantly when you're d- describing, um, you know, your own experiences and how the more, you know, you've been able to lean into your, your I guess, experience material re- reality of what you find to be um, beautiful, um and abandon the idea of like guilty pleasures and things like that. Like, I, I think that's really protected by, um, a few of the ideas as they already stand in the list, which is we've got, we've got good and bad, we've got, or we've got good and evil very low, which is not, yes. not exactly, but we've, we've also got shame is a total trash idea that, um, didn't find any room for, but, we, and but we've also got, you know, freedom high. And, um, I think just like the generosity we've got high. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, if at some yeah. point, you know, if we have to rank like, you know, valuing a selfhood or something like that, then that would need to be higher than than beauty. But I think beauty is still a pretty high idea because there's like a, um, like there's no reason that, like, as you say, okay, there's this really harmful, horrible addition of 
uh, beauty in the center of the public sphere, but that's just a case against the center of our current public sphere. Um, much as much as in the same way as like we could be like, um, okay, well, you know, celebrities it, it can be pretty horrible, and people relate to them as though they know them when they can't, and people can trade in you know individual personality traits and mask a lot of themselves and give skewed ideas of reality that people that they model and then people follow that. That that's, that doesn't. You know, a lot of those celebrities may, may be musicians. That doesn't mean we rank music poorly. Like it's a different, um, it's a different, sure, it's a different sure. element. And I think like the real thing we have to wrangle with is like, okay, if we, if beauty was going to be something that we all would value in a different way in how we go about our lives, what would, would that look like? Does, it, does that inherently look like a contested struggle where, um, we have to, um, you know, uh, I guess infinitely fight over the um, the sub details of of points of difference that naturally, I'm sorry, not naturally, um, that that uh, that seem to exist across the distribution of pe- people. I don't think so because um, because I do think that at the core there are some things that um, are near universal. At, like so, say for example, you know, like I can relate to you in that um, you know you say you find people that are considered to be conventionally attractive. Um, or like the, the, the spread of like what, you know, what's considered to be, what seeming is projected and encouraged to be thought of as beautiful is like, can be really alienating or just, um, not resonant at all. But at, at the same time, I think, um, say for example, if you were to, um, spend the next hour sitting, you know, looking at, looking at the horizon, would you, or even looking to the sky, would you say, if you have to look to the sky for the next, next hour, um, you know, for the sunset and beyond, and you've got the choice between being in clean air, um, and enjoy and looking at the stars, uh, or you have the choice of, you know, being in smoke and looking at light pollution. You know, I think that that's more than just the physical discomfort of those stimulus. I think that, I think that there is something, and even if it isn't different, even if it is exactly the same thing, I think that's still covered off in beauty that like we, there are things that we like and and you know we um it's not it's not universal in that some people will love like i i am often um find myself an outlier in my own peer groups for the buildings that i find like really special and love to look at and want to protect and um you know or be involved with and like other people you know raise their eyebrows a bit at that so there's there's there is obvious divergence and some people will be like well i actually like looking at a um, river that's full of plastic or because it reminds me like whatever, you know, there yeah. are still cultural experiences, but I still think, um, there are enough things that would be 99% plus in their distribution that you could mount a case for valuing. Um, and, and the night sky is actually a big one that I think about a lot because we sort of like, we've sort of lost it by accident, like just, just through incremental, um, you know, shifting baseline expectations, like in, you know, for, for most of us, there's not most of us in, on the planet. There's not a um like there's not a night sky that you can enjoy in the way that people two hundred years ago hundred percent of them would have been able to enjoy, and that's a that's a really astonishing thing to me to think like, you know, like if 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 it was if you heard about that in the abstract, it's like oh you know see all that you know our um grandkids aren't going to be able to enjoy this, and they're not even going to actually notice that it's gone. Like I think you'd be like oh well we should they're not noticing part yeah that's the insidious (laughs) horror. Well, it isn't, it isn't like this is, um, this, this is just a digression, but like, yeah, I think about this, you know, that, that shifting baseline syndrome, that idea that people's conception of what a loss is, is a loss that they experience, that they experience, like that happens in their, um, experience of subjective linear time. So like, yeah, as, as you say on paper, yeah, if you could, yeah, when you think about it that way, the idea of just being like, oh, at one point all of humankind had this experience and now we don't like you can you can lean into that as, as horrible and bleak. You can, and on one level that's true. And on the other level, it just shows that all of the things that we fear for our children and our children's children now, they'll be fine. Right. Because like at the same, because they will not like they, and again, I, I almost want to take, I almost want to have a similar defensive beauty, but almost from the opposite end that you're coming from. Not really. It's not like a binary, but like for me. No, I get it. I'd make the same defense as well. Yeah, like for me, the idea of because, as you say, there are there obviously there are trends of um, aesthetic engagement. You know, like there, if you think about something like you know just humans' engagement with not just the night sky but just the natural world. You know, babbling brooks, 
verdant fields, um, you know, uh, s- s- uh, loose herds of Morris dancers um, at play in a in a in a square. Those things are true. And then also, you know, like you have uh, you have outlier taste, or you have weird taste, or you just have taste that is reconditioned by people being of an environment. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, to me. I mean, you know, when we when we did, I talk. I think I probably talked about this when we ranked natural, which we ranked super super low. And for me, just the idea, I always think, you know, the idea of um, people's mental conditioning around finding things that are quote unquote natural to be beautiful and finding things that are quote unquote artificial to be ugly. There are parts of that which are probably instinctive to the human organism, and then there are parts that are just social and narrative conditioning. And particularly when, as we talked about in the in the nature natural episode, that it's a it's a pretty meaningless distinction like everything everything that anyone would ever look at is made from materials that came out of the planet including like uh chip packets and i mean for me as someone who i'm probably a bit of an outlier you know like i like being out in nature just fine but i don't for me there is no primus there's no aesthetic primacy of nature over all of the aesthetics that i enjoy in the urban environment in the built environment quote unquote in you know in the in the even in the urban decay environment i mean i'm probably an outlier from people i know in terms of like i find of a lot of aesthetic beauty or at least aesthetic excellence in the completely unintended unintentional um uh, aesthetic cityscape of urban decay of things that were built to look shiny and new at one point and then quickly or over a long timeline then ended up, you know, being looking kind of run down or just not, or kind of bust, like just sort of busted ass, um, so semi annoying. suburban cityscapes are like, we're just, we're just the same in so many things. <laughs> I've just been, I just, I just went on this exact rant to someone yesterday because I'm really enjoying, I'm in Oakland, California and the urban decay is like, yeah, it's like just pure dopamine to me to see, particularly things that were built to be majestic that are then so far from their original oh, use. It's so good. Oh my god, I'll send you some photos. Yeah, <laughs> please, because yeah. yeah, once once the once the once the once the literal irony is in there in terms of what you're looking at, and just yeah, like and again for me, there's just something so you know, it's instructive about existence. Just the idea, you know, it's the the it's it's the Ozymandias aesthetic. You know, the yeah. idea of like. Something, yeah, um, just the reminder that, yeah, the str- it's an aesthetic reminder that the strongest laws at play in existence are the laws of unintended consequence, uh, consequence and the law of um, growth and then decay as a, as a cycle or as not even as a cycle, it's just like a random um, bounce from one to the other. And, um, yeah, like, again, I don't need anyone else to feel the same way, but, yeah, um, it does lead me to the sense that if you have a bunch of humans walking around with their extremely subjective tastes and as i feel you've potently argued chris that people getting to have experiences of beauty of engaging with beauty uh as in a trend you know is a transcendent experience and a good experience a nice experience and one that um can really edify um a human uh a human being or human beings then yet the idea of there being a lot of freedom for people, for every person to be pushing their sense of beauty and their story of beauty into the sphere and for all of that to be negotiated together or a a plurality of that to be more and more normalized and for more and more people to get more and more relaxed about like a lot of different ideas of beauty coexisting and not, and you just, you subscribe to the ones you want. Um, That to me that to me is really good and suggests a really like a high ranking for beauty. And then at the other end, the, the thing you're saying, which is that there is um, a lot of just shared human sense of beauty, like, yeah, sticking up for both of those things existing to the same extent um, sounds really good to me. And um, yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Like our current number three idea is jokes. Yeah. And I mean, that's not, that's not a costless idea, you know, like, as we in the jokes episode, um, we we talked about the we talked about the very real costs of jokes that are embedded in the idea the idea of there being kind of in group out group or um, insensitivities or misalignments around jokes and the use of jokes. But we also talked about just the sheer it's yeah jokes kind of work the same way where there is a huge shared humor and a huge subjective humor, um, both equally true at equal, equal points. But yeah, but both of them have the potential to be part of a shared group organism project and a celebration of, we haven't ranked subjectivity, but um, for me, I'll be very surprised if that's not a high 
rancor. Um, and um, yeah, for me, this is an idea that really allows you to stick up for the idea of subjectivity, subjectivity of adaptability, of calibration, of a celebration of of um, of the diverse and um, and of the weird. You know, like again, yeah. a lot of the stuff I find beautiful. I just, you know, I'm attracted to weirdness or strangeness. Um, things that are unfamiliar at least as much as I'm attracted to things that are comforting and familiar. So yeah, the idea of a, a version of beauty that has all of that embedded in it is going to go pretty high for me. Yes. And I, th I think the risk is that as a shorthand, because of how beauty is used, um, you know, there is that idea of a centralized, uh, you know, standard or like, um, and, and I, th I, th I just think all of that Big competing beauty. and all that authority, that that's, that's the product of other systems and other, um, engagements i i still think that uh as a i just think if if everybody you know now could have you know really could choose between pedestrian sexual experiences that they weren't present for or something really present and exciting and electric with somebody that they you know i feel really connected to and it's mutually exciting like i just think that i'm sure that there will be a percentile of people that would choose the former but it would be small and sorry I shouldn't have even picked sex, sexual activity because it's not something. Whatever it is that is your favorite thing to do, would you rather do a version of that that you like, or a version of that that um, is is not pleasant to you? Like it's it's just such a no brainer to me that there's, there's that uh, if if we can remove the sort of cobwebs and octopus monster of um, what beauty means in its usage and um, where it has sat for for people, that then it it, it just it uh, is a, a a real, real top idea, and um, I also thought of jokes mm. while you were defining it as the c comparable one, um, because um, of that that transcendent joy that 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 comes from it and the cost laden element, but how wonderful it is. And I thought it was really fun to, as a thought experiment to pitch them against each other because I was like, oh, I think maybe beauty is more important than I thought. Oh, like, would I live in Germany? <laughs> that was literally my next. Point. <laughs> Which is unfair. Yeah, it's unfair. Look, look for me, jokes. Yeah, I mean, we can get into it once we start talking about the list. But yeah, my my, it's yeah. I'll talk then about why my instincts are why it's still higher. But yes, but they are extremely comparable. Is it back to your, back to that idea that you were saying? Were you you're using the sex analogy for the idea of someone who would might choose um like a replicable like medium quote unquote medium level experience over transcendent highs i think it's a good one to bring up because yeah so i think there's a re there's a much easier to hand analogy that you do see every day in the world which is food like yeah. there are plenty of people who who rather than seek outlier culinary experiences they just what they enjoy to do or at least what they do is to just hit a reliably satisfactory Go, like gastronomic experience day in, day out. Um, I've had periods in my life where I've been that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say in its own way, it's not, it's, that's not counter to what we're talking about. That is just someone, that is just someone again, contending with their own local and subjective experience of what is beautiful for them. <laughs> like also potentially it's decision-making in a different ma matrix because like, I, 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 you know, in, Hungary and in Spain and, you know, countries where they have siesta culture or whatever, you know, like if it's the norm to take two hours off and get your lunch, like you're much less likely to step out and go to the the entropy of, oh, I've got 15 minutes and I need to get something that's around 20 bucks or, you know, like it's not about even necessarily about how, where you do value beauty in your life. It's just more like about the constraints of, it's the environmental constraints of that decision-making point. As you say, in a in a life where different people's lives are going to have different constructions, you want people to have the freedom to choose where they seek transcendental beauty because it would be a quite quite a violence to do to people to demand that they seek transcendental For beauty sure. every second of every day in every For every sure. zone. It reminds <laughs> me of that. Um, it reminds me of that episode of that show Community where they have the one teacher there who's like modeled himself after. Robin Williams character in Dead Poet Society and so he's like constant he's he's obsessed with constantly seizing the day oh, that's and uh, it's just impossible for people to deal with because yeah he just can't let anyone just have a normal day he has to just be like yeah everything has to be like a sh a, sh a moment of like wild um rules rules transgress rules transgressing fun and yeah, so that, I mean, that, that becomes exhausting and cringe at a certain That's level. such a horrifying clown. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I think, um, but again, like, 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 uh, in a world, in a world where concepts of beauty can include things like minimalism, restraint, 
just uh, uh, discernment. Um, all these things come under aesthetics um, at the very least. Um, yeah, is we uh, can trust again that the other things that we have ranked high on the list will allow <laughs> for that space. But it does suggest that there will be certain ideas that will still have to rank over beauty to kind of, or or, or reasonably can rank over beauty to um, help normalize the optimal usage of beauty in the world. I wish it was talked about more. I wish it was. I wish it was a more present feature in the representation and considerations of how um, we structure our lives and society. It's a little similar to, um, yeah. It, it reminds me of things that I've talked to you about a bit in terms of the like cultural criticism, like um, pop art criticism of of like movies and music in particular. How often a sort of critical class will weirdly just like not this. It's an overgeneralization, but often there's almost like an abandonment of holding up be- as of beauty as a thing that you can talk about as the thing that is good about something. Mm. Again, because it's in the realm of the subjective, and I think you just have a lot of critics. Are, uh, critics are the same as a lot of just people in the world today, where there's just a fear of presenting something as a subject as your own subjective sense rather than something that you could have a have like a have a bulletproof critical argument for. But yeah, like it reminds me of yeah the way that like music criticism rarely talks about just melody, um, partly because music critics don't tend to actually have that much music theory behind them, so they can't talk about the, the construction of melody in a meaningful way. But also there's almost a distrust of something like melody, like just the idea of it's like, oh, the melody of this music is is lovely to hear and listen to. Like, Despite its catchiness, it is a good piece of music. Exactly, yeah, that wild thing where it's like there'll almost be a sneering. Yeah, there will be terms like catchy or earworm or things like that that are almost kind of somewhat shady, like, like they're, they're kind of critiques, um, good, like, uh, rather than transcendentist. Whereas like the thing that we all know is that human beings like, like melodies that are constructed, constructed along certain conventional lines, like that. And if someone's done, if someone's done that, then they, and people have then enjoying uh, uh, <laughs> the experience of listening to the song, then something nice has happened. And I almost feel like, um, yeah, because criticism ends up getting fixated so much on the idea of judging whether something has been done quote unquote unquote, well or badly, as in what is this saying about the person's excellence or effectiveness or how good they are at the thing. Whereas really like yawn, like who cares? Who cares if the person is uh, an elite practice? Like it's not sport. Like who cares if the person is um, uncommonly good at like, it's like, Oh, all they did was just all they did was just deliver us like a, you know, just the same old lovely melody that we've all loved listening to for centuries. That's all they did was provide us with that. Ugh. Also, like, even if it was sport, I wouldn't be like, wow, what, that is just such an impeccably run 100 meter race. That is the perfect technique. They really nailed it and did it in 19 seconds. That's fantastic. Let's all watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not the point of sport. Um, and the point of music is not to, you know. It's not the point of sport. Exactly, yeah. It's cool. So that was a big digression. Is there any other things we have to say before listing it? I just think it'll come out from the list. Yeah, cool. Well, look, um, whether or not this is useful or not, I am enjoying this thing that I've started doing, which is just reading out big chunks of the list where we around the area where we think we're at, because it's just, I, I, I imagine, I flatter myself that it's useful for the listeners to get a check-in with, uh, with some of, yeah, it helps them imagine uh, bits of the list. So what if I what if I just read out the top twenty? Top, going top down? thirteen. Let's go. I'll do the top twenty just to you know hear the sound of my oh, own okay. voice. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> at number one, we've got sharing coming down from there. We've got friendship, jokes, story, generosity, self awareness, hanging out, cooperation, adaptability, teaching, criticism, freedom, limits, creativity. History, rules, art, consistency, competition, and at number 20 at the moment, we have scientific method. What a fantastic top 20 that is. It's pretty good. These, these are ideas that are good, and I would use them anytime. Where did you think? I feel like adaptability at number nine is my hard ceiling. There's like, yep. in terms of all, all adaptability and all the ideas above it, really. Um, really value add, just create a better yep. framework yep. for how you can use booty. Like I said, I feel like it's weirdly comparable to freedom at number, t- uh, number 12, which is the last idea we ranked. Yep. I think it is maybe just below freedom and above limits. Cause so under freedom, we've got limits, creativity, history, rules, art. It's better than art. It's for sure. I, I think that's my definite 
that's my definite flaw. So, yeah, limits creativity, history rules. What do you think? Better or worse than those? Limits creativity, history rules. We've got criticism above it and adaptability, which really protects a lot. Yeah, it's true. It's really true. Yeah, better than creativity, right? And teaching is like, above it, right? Teaching is above criticism, yeah, so that's way above. That's still plenty above it. It's three spots above. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty protected. I mean, if you if you do a one v one for the ideas that are below it, then it seems like it's in the wrong spot. But I think that um... we're almost with this one. We're almost saying like we're doing like we're talking about the benefit of doing a specific, to an extent, like a like a deliberately radical act of of um, to be pretentious about it to of of sticking up for it over other more seemingly practical ideas, right? Like there's yeah. there's actually that yeah, it's the thing that can. Um, yeah, similar to jokes, as in there's a lot of ideas around here that feel more, pra- like they have more practical application than jokes, but also fuck not having jokes and having history. Yeah. <laughs> like, no yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> fuck um, having limits, yeah, like, but not having jokes. But, like, on the food, just to give an idea of why it it, des- it deserves to be above things that it, it might not seem like it's better than, like, just the raw, like, it the transcendent qualities is not, fully mapped in how we conceive of it. And I think that like, say if you go to like a a work conference lunch or something like that, and you know, they roll out like the, you know, the, the, you know, dry wraps with like, you know, cheese and lettuce and sun-dried tomatoes or something like that, because it costs, because they can do it because it only costs five bucks, but for $6 per head or whatever, they could get someone in to cook a special thing for everyone that would be like the, the, the difference between that is not like, oh yeah, this is, this is um 20% better it's like it's 500 times better it's it's just it's utterly different experience but um the the normative metric value of um if you don't consider the beauty of an experience or the beauty of life um would be to be like oh well that's not really worth the trade-off but those those trade-offs um as as experiences i mean that and that's just one example but if you if you filter those examples through the things that you value and and you know in your own life would choose to um more actively take the trade-offs in then that beauty like it's it's not um it's not just margin it's not going to make things marginally better in some spheres it may snowball across your whole life to be radically better and i I don't mean that lightly no exactly and i mean i've seen this almost exactly this exact example like the my friend and boss couture and i at you are here the arts organization we work for um and that ket runs we run a fortnightly artist workshop through the middle of the year for our residency artists and um this year, like Kachura had made like a has made a deliberate act to kick the refreshments aspect of the workshop up from just having some sort of coffee and biscuits to actually having like, you know, like food like meal food. And um the uh and and has taken different um uh approach like, you know, as a bunch of approaches like they're a very good cook and so they've made, you know, like fancy salads or um nice yeah just just nice uh just things where it's just it's just that bit thoughtful and nice and creative and um like very much that actually in a way where yeah the sort of food where people are like ooh ooh and then you know last week when they were a bit uh up against it they just brought like a barbecue chicken and like rolls and obviously in the in which in in a very different way people were like oh yum oh but either way it's exactly what you said like it hasn't just been like in term, like in terms of the volume of food as weight like the weight on the scales, um, it's it's a jump, but not that huge a jump. But in yeah. terms of the but leaning into experience of like actual sensory beauty, like having more of a beautiful experience, um, a pleasing experience, a pleasant experience. It's not only is it great, but it's also led to a knock on effect where like some of the other artists have started bringing their own homemade desserts and contributing to it. And there's yeah. this organic like you know like the 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 fostering of How the edifying. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah. And um you know uh, the um you know this uh when when Couture is away in a couple of weeks time and I'm going to have to run the workshop on my own and people see what I can bring to the table gastronomically like it's it's you know it's the the huge um the huge drop in enthusiasm and sense of togetherness is going to make it even more measurable um what uh Couture has been achieving. Thank goodness some of us see so, beauty yeah, in that the, kind of decay. Exactly. That's what I'll be saying um, as pe- as I as I serve up thin gruel uh, to the group <laughs> with your agent of decay singlet. <laughs> exactly. It's like Nick. Is that a band? I'll be like, no, 
<laughs> cool. So yes, I we're think we're done. We're done. We're done. Yeah, under under freedom, over limits. The new number thirteen. How's that feel to you? Great, really great. You may even remember I said run the top thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Makes you glitching out from from the brilliance. <laughs> really, <laughs> and I hate that. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> if you're a new listener and you want to listen to some key episodes that will give a sense of how we've ranked ideas. Uh, adjacent to that, you could listen to the Freedom episode recently. Um, our art episode from, a, I feel that was about 30 episodes mm-hmm. ago. I could be way off. Um, I, again, we talked a lot about like the idea of, um, you know, having frameworks for tr- for transcendence or for putting, you know, the pros and cons, cons of putting like valence of specialness onto creative practice and creativity. And that was great. And I, art ended up ranking really high. But yeah, I think the just the just the more bounded, like beauty is a more specific idea in a way that makes it both huger than art and more kind of controllable to, to define and to, and to wrangle the pros and cons of, of art, um, as an example. But yeah, I think, um, yeah. And again, you know, check out our creativity history rules episodes. Rules is still such a great idea for, um, and I'm, yeah, you should go and check out what we have to, had to say on that. If you want to know more about why I always hate putting any ideas above it. But today we have, we've put beauty above it. And we've still got aesthetics at one point to rank, which will be that, and that'll be an interesting one because that'll be much more about the idea of, okay, what is the framework that you use to prosecute the, the subjectivity of beauty? Be done. Yeah. Yeah. So that one might, that, that, that might do a little bit tougher, but again, that'll be the interesting thing knows, is yeah. that we never know, into, never know until we do the episode. And then by the end, we perfectly know um, and perfectly rank. Yeah. Every time. Chris? You're really good at this. I'm glad that you're the co-host. Oh, you too. We know Braden boys, but I'm fond of the whole. No, project. I mean, like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, you know, I mean, let's say the thing that goes without saying, which is the Braden boys are the best to ever do it. Exactly. But as far as the Braden boys being the best to ever do it, the Braden boys are the best to ever do it. Chris, I hope you have a lovely uh, rest of the um, howling liminal uh, limbo states between podcast recordings, and um, I, for one, will. Um, just be uh, sitting here enjoying the transcendent beauty of this pillow. Sorry, it's just the thing that's in my eye line. It's oh, pretty nice. nice, though. It's yellow. That's yeah. good. Well, okay. Love you, Nick. Mm. You're the beautiful thing Love you, in that Chris. room as well. Don't forget that. After Thank you. That's what I was fishing for. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Sometimes commotion, sometimes commotion.